If you haven't signed up for Discord, please do so. I talk about this every time. It's the only place where we advertise our Discord channel. So sign up at MajorDomeMedia.com. What are you waiting for? If you sign up, and enough of you sign up, I'll stop talking about this goddamn thing. <laughs> but in the interim, you can sign up just for the great discount codes to our partners. We have 10% off any day cookware. And man, I'm going to say it's the way, if you cook long grain rice, it's the best way to cook long grain rice. That's full stop. No question. 20% off athletic brewing. And I tasted something that was so delicious that I, I sent them an email because they're working on a product. And I said, please, please, please. Can you make this in mass? And they didn't say no. They didn't say yes either, but I can't talk about it. But boy, was it delicious. I'm excited. It's going to come. If I keep on pestering them and $40 off Cometeer coffee, your first two orders, that is a hell of a deal. That coffee changes the game. And I've been drinking espressos quite a bit since I learned how to do that and 15% off East Fork. And of course, 10% off all your Momofuku products, your Momofuku goods, your salts, your spices, your variety of chili crunch and the soys, uh, the vinegars, the sesame oils. And most importantly, I won't say most importantly, the, the things that I think people are eating quite a bit are, are instant noodles. We have a lot coming out down the pipeline. It is a big focus of ours. And we have two noodles that are out and sweet and spicy versus spicy chili. That's how I look at it. And I want spicy chili to win, but sweet and spicy is definitely in the lead right now. We'll see how much longer because I'm going to make a big push for spicy chili. It is a delicious product. You can visit us at Whole Foods, Target, and now Sprouts and most great supermarkets and grocery stores near you. Thank you. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Demon Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. We're going to try to bank a couple pods. I am gone next week. I'm going on my annual fishing trip with my brother and some of my college friends in Mexico. I hope to catch some permit fish. Last year, I got skunked. I'm really nervous about going, mainly because of work. There is a shit ton of work. But by the time you listen to this, I'll be in Mexico, I think, and I won't be thinking about this podcast right now. So we're going to get into it. And man, you know, we have so many things coming down the pipeline. If you haven't signed up for the YouTube channel, please do so. We are just starting out with uh, putting content on, on there and LG and a few other places. But there's a lot of things in the pipeline. We're excited to, to, to get started on that. Anyway, three things today that I did after school instead of homework. Well, in high school, I had to play a sport. So I played sports. But if I wasn't playing sports, I was probably doing some kind of tobacco product. And I was playing, the second thing I was doing was NHL 93 on Sega Genesis. Yeah. And I was uh, the Vancouver Canucks because you had Timu Solani. And uh, that was probably my team. Chicago was cheating with Ronick. If you ever seen the movie Swingers, there's a scene where they're playing Sega Genesis, and that was my life. And the third thing I did was after school, instead of homework, if I wasn't playing sports, if I wasn't trying to do some kind of tobacco product, 
if I wasn't trying to play Sega Genesis, I was more than likely in detention. Which my Jesuit high school called Justice Under God, Jug. I was in Jug a lot. A lot. I was in Jug a lot. So those are the three things I did instead of homework. Anyway, we're going to get into a slice of life and then an Ask Dave and then a quick moif and get you out of here and wish me luck on the fish. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. All right, we got a slice of life. I I don't know about you guys. But I have been getting is anyone else getting a an uptick in cold calls and in emails and I'm constantly filtering it out, putting it on spam, but nothing works. And I filter out an email yet they still come to me. I don't know how this email filtering shit works, but it's like a Cold War arms process. Every time I think there's some kind of firewall protection, then the people that are sending spam figure out a way to get through it. You know, I think the genesis of all that, and I think I always want to know who actually, it clearly works because people are answering it or they wouldn't be sending it. I want to, I want to, I want to see a documentary about people that answer this, answer these cold calls, respond to these emails. I would love to know. Because clearly it works. It has to work. But I, I got thinking on the genesis of cold calls. The, the, the genesis of all this was just the cold call. There was direct mail before, which was always a disaster. But before that was cold call. And part of Jug for me in high school was I had to like help raise money. So you had to call alumni and ask for donations. I don't know if it's Jug, but that's something that I was always forced to do to some degree. I don't remember how. Maybe I'm conflating nostalgia here. But I, I seem to have always been stuck raising money at night. You know, calling alumni and cold calling. Just calling someone I've never spoken to before and asking, hey, this is my name's David Chang. I'm a sophomore at your alma mater, blah, 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 blah. I have, I mean, my alma mater right now, Trinity is asking me to do stuff. By the way, I'm seeing all your emails and I'm not responding because I'm not going to do anything. And I think cold calling is a crazy thing, man. What do you do when somebody's asking you for something? And 
clearly people give money back to schools, but I'm just like, I already gave you enough money. Well, why do I need to give you more money? And you already have a huge endowment. Why do I need to do that? Now I feel, now I feel bad. So part of the cold calling process is to make someone feel bad that they're not doing it. Like there's some needy organization. They're the furthest thing from being needy. So that I didn't know. But what I realized is that it was a skill set. If you can learn how to almost be a psychopath, sociopath-like person on the other end of the phone and just be like, call 100 people and you just need like a 2% success rate, it's a pretty, pretty powerful thing. Cold emails, again, I've never responded to. I get a lot of them. I'm just saying for me, I want to know who responds to these things. The slice of life really, there's a, bu- a bunch of slice of life here. But I think we've mentioned it on the pod before, but it's happened and I got to just come clean. When I get a cold call on my phone, and it could happen anytime, right? Like you get some kind of call. If I'm not doing work, if I'm not in a meeting, if I'm, I, if I have time, right? If I'm not busy doing anything and I get a cold call, you know what I like to do, you know? Do you, do you have any idea? I, have a, I, I try to keep them on the phone as long as possible. You are a monster. That is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, I'm, doing the world of, I'm doing the world a favor by keeping them on the phone. It saves other people. I'm saving other people from pain and agony of getting a cold call spam and sometimes it's just like three to five minutes but it's like it's fun it's fun you're for me. fighting one guy and there's an or army. woman yeah don't matter or, yeah one, listen one you, poor you, person you fix pollution one bottle at a time there's a thousand dead turtles around you but yeah sure pick up that one bottle you you've uh <laughs> i'm just saying like my wife said, you have, you're a sicko and you have a problem. And sometimes she's like, who are you talking to? And I always say, oh, nobody. And then the thing is this. If you see me on the phone and I put my phone away, I'm not saying goodbye. I'm just like, oh, I can't have this conversation in public. I got I to gotta just put it in my phone. Here's another sick, sick thing I do. Sometimes I, I, just, I don't hang up the phone. I just put it in my pocket with them still, still on the, the, the line. So here's the deal. They, they're, they're smart. They usually just hang up the phone. But I was wondering, am I the only person in the world that does this? I think so. It doesn't happen that often. Rarely does the circumstances align, the moons align where I can make this happen. This is this is a level that's just too too out there. So I, I think it's just you. I, I'm suggesting to everybody. This is my my call to everybody. Next time you have some time to yourself and you get a cold call, answer it. And just try to keep them on the line as long as possible and see how long you can do it. <laughs> see how long you can keep them on the line. You're going to save other people a cold call. And if everybody does it, the only way to stop cold calls but before chatbots take it over is just if everybody talks to them. 
If everybody does it, just like cleaning up pollution, we can, we can end this cold calling monstrosity. The tyranny of cold calling will end. Anyway, that got me thinking. That wasn't even the slice of life. It got me thinking, too. It's, I remember going to some alumni event for Trinity, and Danny Meyer was speaking. And I think I was 22. I, was, I just moved to New York. I wasn't cooking professionally yet. And I was really studying everything Danny did. He had just opened Grammy's Tavern. Ultimately, it was the reason why I worked for Tom at craft uh, but i was in f- just studying everything i, I thought gramercy tavern was the most important restaurant one of the most important restaurants in america particularly new york and he was a legend right started union square at 27 also went to trinity college loved union square hospitality at that time just had tabla and 11 madison park had just opened up I think Blue Smoke was going to open up another year later, but at the time, Danny was sort of the, the one of the like the princes of New York City, especially of dining. And I remember going to this event, and there's a kid that I knew, and I always knew in college that his dad was in the restaurant business. And I was sitting next to him, and he goes, I'm going to talk to Danny Meyer, and I'm going to ask him for help. And after the end of the conversation, this kid, you know, when you, when you go to like a meet and greet or a signing, I mean, back then, it wasn't about photos. There was no smartphones. People just wanted to talk to you in a handshake, and it wasn't that much. And I wonder if this still happens. To some degree, I know it does because it happens to me. You get to talk to somebody, and they give you a request. And it's not so different than getting a cold call. And I think it's, it's such an awkward position to be put in. You know, and I just don't know the success rate of that. And I think it's it, it's always awkward for me when someone asks me to do something and I'm like, uh, what do I do here? You know, like, can you help me with this, this, and this? And I feel so fucking bad because I don't have the ability to communicate in a pleasant way, like without being disingenuous, like, oh, I, I don't know, you know? Like, here's a restaurant plan. Can you do this? I'd love to sit down and have a meeting with you and this and this. And I'm like, it's one thing over cold call. It's one thing over email. But when you're talking to somebody in a relatively intimate setting where you're giving a talk or book signing or whatever, and they're coming here. And again, like, I'm not, I don't want someone listening to me like, oh, this is just a Dave Chang problem. I'm just trying to describe a situation where what do you do in any situation in life? Whatever it may be, and I'm only describing one for me, and I'm sure there's many many others, but you're talking to somebody and the other person isn't an asshole or a jerk, but they're asking something in earnest, right? But you can't do it. How do you and what do you do? And how do you say no in a nice way? And I, I just hate that situation because there's no way you can't come across as a fucking heel. And it's not like a celebrity, like when I see like the stories about Keanu Reeves went to my wedding and I just asked him because I was at a bar or, you know, Taylor Swift, be my prom date. And that happens. I think those are publicity stunts. You know, maybe not Keanu Reeves, (laughs) right? Because he's a fucking bodhisattva. But I find it to be incredibly awkward 
when somebody really wants you to do something and you just can't do it. And I think maybe it's like the, the only similarity that I can think of in life is when you ask somebody out on a date and you're really into somebody and they say no. I guess that's it. You know, that's the equivalent. That's a shit feeling. It's honestly one of the worst feelings in the world. And it's not a cold call, but their ask is something that feels like a cold call and it seems so above and beyond that you're like, how do you say no? And I don't think there's an answer to this. I just wanted to share. Like, I think it's a, you have to think about shitty scenarios. Anytime you have to reject somebody and there's no way you can do it. And they're like, they're almost like, they feel that you are the Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're the only person that can help them or do something for them. I think it sucks. It's, it's such a, it's like my least favorite thing to say is like, Hey, I can't help you. You know? And I, and the thing is like, you, we are, I think we just, we're inclined to be helpful people. And so it just, when you can't bridge that gap of hospitality where you just want to give them that thing, it, it just sucks. Um, I, I always say I have this line because I have a lot of people who kind of ask me for like, Hey, like, can you help me get a job here? Or, you know, you know, this person. And I'd be like, Hey, that's, that's asking a lot. I'm sorry. You know, I just be like, uh, that's asking a lot. And I'm sorry. I wish I could help you. Um, but this is just like not something that I do, you know, and I just have to do it and bite the bullet. And I think generally people are like, Hey, I appreciate you actually like getting back to me. You know, I appreciate you actually saying something, you know, and that's, that's the way we got to carry it. It's like, Dave, you got if you say it, maybe they'll be like, Oh my God, you actually responded. Thank you. You know, that's probably the, uh, the thing that's coming out on the other side and not, Hey Dave, you're an asshole. Thanks. Thanks for ruining my prom. You know, like, I just, you know, so that, for someone that, that is a curmudgeon, it doesn't make sense that I give a shit for saying no to people. And I don't like that about myself. <laughs> it shouldn't bother me, but it bothers me tremendously. So that's my slice of life. It's just more of, I would say the past week or so, I've been asked a lot by people, right? Recently, it's been a lot of, hey, I'm starting a CPG business. Can I get a list of, you know, who does this for you and your purveyors and this and this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I remember back then, I mean, similar lines when I remember when Tosi, Tosi, Christina Tosi was the first person not to make soft serve, but to introduce soft serve in an ambitious sort of like restaurant setting. And it took off when we were doing a noodle bar, like in 2008. Seven, 2007, we bought her a salsa machine. She developed her own proprietary soft serve base. I can think of a bunch of chefs that sent me emails or text messages. Hey, can I get that base recipe? I can't. Like, it wasn't mine to give. You know what I mean? It was Tosi's. And I can't. I'm sorry, I'm not going to give Tosi's recipe away. And I had to kind of be like, I hope you understand that I can't give it to you. And they've never really forgiven me since. You know? That is such a wild ask, Dave. It's it's a wild ask. But again, if that doesn't make sense to you, I I just feel bad when I can't do something. About like a couple weeks ago, somebody that I'm friends with basically assumed that, you know, we're going to make TV together. I, I was like, well, you know, they asked for help. I gave them as much help as I could. And I was more like, 
how do you tell no to somebody when they think that you're saying yes? You know, it's very difficult. Or they make the assumption that you are. And I, I go back to even like those saucer of days where friends that it was like really quite a few chefs assumed that I was going to give them the recipe. If they asked for any other recipe, I would have given that to them. But I'm like, I can't give them this. On the other hand, you know, when Tosi was developed the Hassa plan, she'd willingly give that out. So it wasn't just like it was just specific things. So I don't know. It's a weird thing to be able to say no when. Ultimately, if I could distill this life, it's like, how do you do something? How do you decline something when someone's expecting you to say yes? It's got to be one of the most awkward social interactions out there. You know, and I got to be honest, I got to get better at saying no. And I'm feeling really bad. I'm feeling really bad at saying no. And I say no all the time, you know. And I don't know how to say no. So I'm learning. And I got to learn maybe not to feel so bad. So anyway, that's a slice. And it's a weird slice. But I think a, a, a weird but real slice of life. How do you say no to somebody that's expecting you to say yes? It's, it's weird, especially for you. <laughs> to go from curmudgeon to I have trouble saying no. You know, there's a guy that wants me to be on a podcast and I told him that I can't for, for a lot of legitimate reasons. I'm just trying to focus on what we have in Major Domo, et cetera, et cetera. And like, he gives me very long, compelling reasons, you know, totally understand, but I'm just coming back to you and, you know, just asking again, can, can you do this? And I'm like, dude, like, I don't know how many more times I can tell you in a kind way. No. (laughs) And it makes me feel like shit. I don't think you should feel bad about that, Dave. Like it's, it's like, you know, if they're being super persistent, I think there's like a line where it's like, Hey, you know, the first time should be the answer, you know, and you know, being persistent is, is a good quality. It's just not going to help you here. You know, like, and it's because your reason is ironclad, you know, like, and I think at some point just gets disrespectful, man. And that's where we can, we can kind of turn it and, and use some Han here. (laughs) Cause at some point it's like, yeah, but that, but I just don't know what is the worst sin here, right? Because I go back to that Danny Meyer meet and greet somewhere on the Upper East Side and my, I'm not say friend, right? But we went to college together. And he, I heard him ask Danny this favor, right? Basically to help his dad's restaurant group out. I think the answer basically was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, here's my information, all these things. I think that, I don't remember what the answer was, but it wasn't an abject no. Right. It was more like, hey, I think sometimes that's the worst answer because it gives people hope. You're leading them on. Yeah. If if the answer is going to be no. Again, you don't have to be in this exact situation. And I'm not trying to say something that is not unlike like that you cannot relate to. But I think that this is a situation. Has it ever been a time in your life where you've had to say when you've tried to ask somebody because you need them to say yes, or you've been the recipient, the, the asker of that question, I should say. It's never a fucking fun thing to do. So I don't know. What if Obi-Wan Kenobi said no to Princess Leia? <laughs> I 
I gotta, I gotta clean out my fucking cave. I gotta fix some robots. I'm busy. The world might be a better place, at least in Star Wars. Who knows? We'll take a break. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Here's our Ask Dave. Sticky fingers. Dear Dave, longtime listener, first time writer. On a recent trip to New York City, my husband and I ate at an incredible Michelin starred restaurant. The food, service, and environment were impeccable. As expected, with one issue, we ordered a plate of delicious and very sticky ribs, which were clearly meant to be eaten with hands, but no finger cleaning implement was provided. While I understand that a handful of disposable handy wipes might not be appropriate for this particular venue, there are, there are other more couth options available. Ultimately, we both ended up heading to the restroom for hand and face washing in the middle of our meal. Obviously not a terrible option, but not the most desirable thoughts. Jess C. from Richmond, Virginia. Spent a lot of time in Richmond. I have a lot of thoughts about this. And taking like a David Foster Waller approach of like empathy. If it's a Michelin-starred restaurant, not all Michelin-starred restaurants are great or perfect, etc. But it's quite possible that I could imagine there's one scenario where the server just forgot to do it. Two, it was a special for that day where they put it on the menu to collect some data and it wasn't sort of implemented throughout the front of the house. And that happens a lot. It's like you put it on the menu, you don't know certain things that unfold until you do it. Like, oh, man, like, you put the ribs on, you know, maybe it'll, it'll happen like the third or fourth day. It could be the first day they put it on the menu and make it the second day. And they've knocked out certain other things that change by putting this dish on the menu. It's like, oh, you know, if it's on a tasting menu, which I doubt tasting menus would have a sticky rib course. But if it was, it's like, oh, I have to change the pairing on there. And because of that, we only have so many plates. I have to put it on the big plate. and. This course, the course after it had the big plate. So now we got to change that course because we only have one plate size that fits the ribs. So it's this domino effect of change that happens in a restaurant. Third, it's also possible that there was a manager change. Right. So like, I wouldn't, if it's an ambitious restaurant, I'll say this. When I say ambitious, like a restaurant that's trying to constantly improve and be better, 
I highly fucking doubt. In fact, I would bet a considerable amount of money that that missing sort of servette or, you know, hand wipe situation would be neglected for much longer. In almost every restaurant that's trying to be great, it's the this Darwinism that happens, this acid that sort of eats through all the inefficiency in a restaurant service. And your whole job is to see mistakes and to see where things can get better. So it's quite possible that, you know, it was a new menu and they're just sort of feeling it out. Two, it's another thing. Mistakes happen. It just think, things slip. Happens all the time. So, and honestly, I would rather, this is just me, hot take. I would rather have my hands a complete mess and go to the restroom and wash my hands than to have some, there's nothing worse than the little disposable. I mean, we used to have them at the restaurant, some of the restaurants, the little package, tear it open, smells like Windex, lemon Windex, and you wipe your hands. Like, it doesn't do anything. You need like 16 of those things. All right? You really do. And if you do open more, then you look like a slob. The other problem is if you have, oh my God, my brain is so fried. What is it called when you have the Japanese towel? Anyway, doesn't matter. If you get like a moist cloth, the reason I don't like that is that if you're eating something sticky or chili crab or something like that, and you open that up, and if it is a larger piece of cloth that you can wipe your hands with, it looks like you're 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 murder. You committed a murder. You know, it's like everyone sees how disgusting your hands are, and then you try to hide it. I don't like that. That to me, I feel like is like really gross. The most civil way is probably a finger bowl. Right, but like, I don't know, really, I, I'm not a. Fin- I, I I find that to be like, yes, it can be nice, but a finger bowl is doesn't clean your hands. So I'm anti cleaning your hands at the table if you got a hot mess of like you you're like a boiling crab or something. Your hands are crazy, and there's not a whole you know stack of paper towels or napkins. Even still, like I find it to be. I'm always trying to hide how much I'm trying to eat. I'm always trying to make it look like I'm not eating as much as I am, and I'm trying to hide the evidence. One of the greatest signs of evidence, besides like bones, the amount of bones on your plate or shells, is how dirty your towels are, the, the amount that you've had on your plate. For those that are, 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 are professional eaters, you know what I'm talking about. That is a very embarrassing, you know, it's a very embarrassing moment when you realize because you've been so ravenous in a state of Dionysian ecstasy that you've totally lost, you know, space and track of space and time and you've now devoured their food. And then you realize that there's a giant plate of soil and napkins. It looks terrible. It's a bad look, which is why. I think actually maybe the restaurant was trying to do you a favor, Jess. The most civil way is just to go to the bathroom and wash your hands. I, it's not a terrible option. I think it is the best option. 
in my opinion. The finger bowl? No, to go up and go to the restroom and wash your hands. Oh, yeah. It's just the like... Only, but- the only issue with that is if you have messy hands, right? Then you got to do the... If, you're, if you have messy hands and, and, and you're trying to wash them and you get up, you can't, you can't do that. You can't. Everyone says finger looking good, but you cannot lick your fucking fingers at the table. You can't. You can't go. You can't. You can't. Am I right? That is just like, you're not possible. Not even you. You can't lick your finger licking good. Who does that? You can lick one finger, two fingers, but not at the dinner table. I don't give a shit what restaurant. You're like, so now your fingers are dirty. You get up, use the bathroom. And a lot of it depends on the door to the bathroom. A higher-end restaurant will not have, will always have like a handle, right? So if you're going to like a seafood shack, it's probably just like a in and out door where you can just push against. And then you don't have to worry. Then you just do the shoulder and you're, you do this. This is the universal sign to everybody when you're in the bathroom. It's like, I'm not here to take a shit or piss. I'm just here to wash my hands. But everyone has to do this move. If there's a handle, you got to use your elbow and then nudge it open. But sometimes that doesn't work. And like, I, the thing that's, that skews me out in restrooms, in public restrooms, is the handle. Because I think there are some people that would rather just use their gross hands and then use the handle and open it. Even if it's a light touch, like they'll, they're like, They'll just like use the one digit that's not sticky. I think that's gross. That's a that's a biohazard. Speaking of bathroom handles, I find it to be highly problematic, which is why I don't like. I'm, I have this dilemma every time when leaving a bathroom. If they have a paper towel dispenser, I'm always using one to open up the door handle. If it's just an air dryer, I'm always using my shirt to open up the door handle. Yeah. Whoa. I don't like it. And and here's another thing. This is how weird I am. I hate automatic sinks simply because they don't always work, but I almost rather have them because if you have, if you're in a public restroom and you have the hot and cold dials, faucets, Turn them off. You now have to take your washed hand and to make it dirty again by turning it off. Doesn't make any sense to me. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's a no-win situation. No-win situation. Yeah, the automatic ones. Like they don't. Sometimes I've actually had to bump my hand against the faucet, and I'm just like, "What the hell's the point of washing my hands if I have to do that every time my water comes out?" Exactly. Because I don't know if you guys have noticed. I mean. This is how you know COVID is not meaningful to anyone anymore. People washing their hands like champions, man. They were washing it 20 seconds, hot water every time. Not anymore. Not anymore. It is two seconds tops. Oh, when you hear a toilet flush and you don't hear any faucet running you just see somebody walk out 
Yeah. So anyway, Jess, I know that we weren't supposed to talk about faucets, but this is what I think about sticky hands. I, I think that the the restaurant, if they're good, they will have solved this. I find it if they. Here's the other thing. It also could be this weird idiosyncratic thing that that's what the chef wants. I don't know. But I find it to be, I, I highly doubt that it's not, it's a feature that won't be answered or thought about. Put it that way. All right. We'll be back. All right. Okay, Dave, real quick, Moif. Uh, so you're a big fan of Top Gun. All right. But I, I want to know. I love Top Gun. Your favorite action movie franchise. Okay, I was just watching Rocky yesterday and I was like, you know, when I was working out, I turned on like the Rocky training montage, but like, what's your favorite action movie franchise? I think growing up, I would say definitely the Indiana Jones ones. And then I would say the Lethal Weapon ones. I really like Tango and Cash, even though that was a singular one. Predator always comes to mind. Anything Schwarzenegger, even though they were different. None of them were sequels. They all seem like sequels. But I'd say my top action movie franchises. Oh, man, that's a good question. I I, I don't know. I would say the one that gives me the most joy when it's on TV and I find to be highly rewatchable if it's on, is the Bourne series with Matt Damon. But I would say before that, it probably is James Bond. But this is actually the truth. Truth, I find that the best action series, thriller series, <laughs> this, is, this is real, real honest here. And you would never have guessed it. I cannot wait for Equalizer 3 to come out with Denzel Washington. If you don't know the Equalizer, it was a TV, TV show on CBS with a British guy. And basically, this guy is like Kung Fu with David Carradine, but he's a not Kung Fu master. He's like a military expert that just wanders from town to town and doing good for those towns. It's basically Kung Fu, the special ops, special ops Kung Fu TV show. And then when Denzel did Equalizer with Anthony Fuqua, who did Training Day, the first one, I just was like, whoa, this is, this is good. Extremely violent. It was everything I like, special ops, all that stuff. And Denzel, I love Denzel. Who doesn't like Denzel? And Denzel murders the shit out of everybody that's a bad guy. It's so good. It's so fucking good. Equalizer 2. Shocking. Because some of the main characters in Equalizer 1 get fucking 86. I was, I almost cried. So Equalizer 3 is one of the few movies that are going to come out in the strike, the SAG strike and the actors, uh, the writer strike, WTA. I'm not sure about the release date. I will probably want to watch that movie by myself. And I think it's going to be awesome. So the 40-year-old Dave, the action 
franchise of choice isn't an obvious choice, but it's equalizer. One, two, and I know down that three is going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. I mean, you could say Taken, but Taken 2 is not as good as Taken 1, so that doesn't count. And I think there's like probably like four Takens. With, and Liam Neeson made, plays every movie the same way. But if you haven't watched Equalizer, do yourself a favor. Let Denzel Washington just give you joy. Wait, so what about John Wick? Is that on there? I like John Wick, but it doesn't give me joy as much as Equalizer. I think John Wick 1 was great. I didn't love John Wick 2, 3, or 4. Here's my idea, half-baked idea for John Wick. What I would like to see, and this is how you know, if, if it gets to this, then maybe I'll get back on the John Wick franchise. I think John Wick 1 was fantastic. I love that one. I want to see the origins of that's, that world, the, that assassin world. I want to go back before there were guns to like ancient times, wherever it may be. I think that would be pretty cool. But we're, I think they're going to spin off into the, the ballet Russian stuff. So I, I'm, not, I'm not too thrilled about that. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I know that they were thinking about a prequel of some sort, but like, I'm, you know, it's been so many rumors coming out. Okay. So that's, <laughs> that's action movies. I, I'm you with you on the equalizer. Say, you, thought, you thought I was going to say John Wick, didn't you? I, I was wondering if you were a John Wick guy. I definitely think there like are John, John Wick. Wick guys and Equalizer guys. I love John Wick. I don't think there's many Equalizer guys. I don't think so. Uh, that's why I was like, oh, there's another one. It's Dave. I was like, Dave likes it too. <laughs> I watch these clips like on my phone sometimes. I'm like, oh, Denzel's so, so cool. So cool. He's so cool. He's, he's just Equalizer too oh. with the hurricane and in, 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 in New England beach town. Just nailed it. He's so cool. And yeah, just a great, great, great movie. Very underrated. All right. Let's rank some fruit juices. All right. Like breakfast foods and then fruit juices. So we'll do uh, apple, cranberry, orange, grape. Rank your fruit juices if you have to choose. Ranking my fruit juices. Cranberry is my least favorite. Orange. Grape is too sweet. Orange has to be fresh squeezed. I would say apple. A good old Mott's apple juice is undefeated in my opinion. Cranberry just doesn't even exist to me. You know? I remember I did have UTI once and I had to drink cranberry juice. I didn't like it at all. Of course you've had a UTI. <laughs> Of all the other ailments you've had, of course, that one's that, that one's a throw in. You get that one for free. I think, I think that was related to God. I had some kind of. I've had a lot of medical issues, so that was that was basically it. Anyway, I think apple juice is great. I got to say, of those fruit juices, no one's made cranberry juice at home. Nobody makes grape juice at home. The one grape juice that I will say, the proto juice that Koreans have that comes with grape in the can, I like. It's got to be highly artificial. If it's, if, it's a green, if it's a clear grape juice, yeah. 
if it's like the color purple grape juice, no, it's too sweet. You know it's going to be too sweet. Orange juice is probably the only one that is sort of like uh, the domestic and international champion, right? It's great concentrated. It's great frozen. It's the most versatile, many varieties. Apple juice is the one juice that's better concentrated and not fresh, right? Like, it's like, I mean, I guess you could say the same for grape, but it's only, let me, let me rephrase that. Apple juice is the only one that I want to drink when it's artificially made and pasteurized, right? I, I don't want to drink grape juice. I don't want to drink cranberry juice, but there's something about apple juice, that golden piss color that looks fucking awesome. It's so good. Apple juice is so good. It's so and refreshing. I, I, I'm going to say this. We've talked about it a lot in my culinary career. I cook with a lot of apple juice. I think cooking with apple juice is one of the most underrated tools in your pantry. The, and, and I would say pear juice specifically, you know, if you're Korean, but I think apple juice I like to cook with because if you think about the, the flavor of it, and notice I didn't say flavor profile, the flavor of it, it is, especially the Mott's, that's like my benchmark. You have sweetness and acidity, right? Like that's, a perfect combination. It's just enough sweetness and it's just enough acidity to sort of be great in marinade, right? It's an apple juice is so good with soy sauce. And again, I don't remember the scientific reasoning, but apple itself is high in malic acid and malic acid and umami go really well together because malic acid literally just helps open up the pores on your tongue. It helps you taste things more clearly to a degree. That's one of the properties of malic acid besides it being tart. And that tartness marries perfectly with soy sauce. There's, there's that caramel note with soy sauce and that salty umaminess that pairs so well with apple juice. So that's why I like apple juice. It's my favorite juice to cook with by far. It's the one that, I think is the most versatile, both as drinking. If apple, orange juice is the most versatile, apple juice is the most versatile to cook with, and the only one I want non-fresh. I think freshly squeezed orange juice—that's more apple cider—is fucking garbage. You gotta, pro, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta add shit to that to make it taste processed for me, for me to think it tastes good. Anyway, brought to you by processed apple orange juice. Before I get you out of here with things I like and dislike right now. Here's the thing that I've been eating a lot. And if you want to know the truth, I get uh, like a monthly shipment of it. I started to eat canned mackerel. We talked about it a little bit on the recipe club because I don't like sardines. I just don't like canned sardines. Koreans eat canned mackerel, but it's a different kind of mackerel. And I've been eating the shit out of canned mackerel. Because it's the only way I can get it's an olive oil. It has sort of the 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 fat that I need that the doctor's saying. And weirdly enough, when I started eating it, my blood work got better. So I'm team mackerel, and this is my hot take. Tin mackerel 
is the goat of tinned seafood. It is much better than tuna. And not only that, mackerel's the best fish in the world. It is so misunderstood, but man, is it delicious. And if you tell somebody, hey, I would never make a tuna mackerel salad because it's better than that. But if you tell somebody, hey, eat some tin mackerel, they're going to give you this squinched up face and be like, what are you talking about? I think you should give, actually don't give, ignore everything I say. I don't want you to eat tin mackerel because I want to, I think it's hard enough to get these days. But if you are so inclined, just eat it. It's delicious. Brought to you by the Tin Can Manufacturing of America. All right, guys, we'll talk to you when I'm back. Thank you, you know. We will be back with up-to-date podcasts in a week. All right, talk to you soon.